Hey everybody, welcome to Props and Hops, powered by Dimers.com. I'm Matt Landis, and as I record this Friday morning Pacific time, we're just two days away from Super Bowl 55, and from the props to the hops, Super Sunday is perhaps our biggest day of the year to shine. So in this episode, we'll break down Chiefs Buccaneers through the lens of the best football gambling podcasts, plus some original analysis, and that includes digging into the game itself from a point spread and total standpoint, and you better believe, a deep dive on the props. We'll also talk some beer and get into some bets, so if that sounds good, please subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you could take a quick moment to rate and review the show, that would be incredibly helpful. You can also follow me on Twitter to keep the conversation going. My handle is at mlandis18, and I've included a link in the show notes, so we're just a tap away from connecting. And while we're at it, you can head to dimers.com for everything you need to bet the Super Bowl. That includes data-driven predictions, picks and probabilities, as well as player props, and the best sportsbook offers and promo codes for the big game. Alright, so with a little housekeeping taken care of, it's time to kick things off. Let's dive into what we're hearing. I've spent the last two weeks listening to the most prominent handicappers on the best NFL betting podcasts, and this episode features insights from 11 bettors across six different podcasts, totaling about 12 hours worth of listening. I'll distill that down to the most actionable takeaways, and the ultimate result? A prop betting bonanza. Eight bets, including three game props, two scoring props, as well as three player props. So we've got a great matchup in store and a lot of good stuff to get to. Let's dive in. You may have heard the Chiefs are playing the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay on Sunday. As the legendary Ron Burgundy would put it, it's kind of a big deal. And the current point spread has the Chiefs favored by three with a little extra vig. Looks like that consensus number is minus 115. And the total, 56, shaded to the under. We have one like on the Bucks. Dave Esler from the Dream Preview, and two likes on the over, Adam Chernoff from the Simple Handicap, and TA from the Sharp Angles podcast. We also have a couple looks at the derivative market, two likes on the Bucks, first quarter team total, over six and a half, and these came from Drew Dinsick and Andy Molitor on the Deep Dive podcast. They made this their Deep Dive secret pod play this week. And I'll note that they took this number at even money, and consider this your first reminder of many to shop around for the best line you can find in Super Bowl prices this week. I've seen that Bucks first quarter team total over 6.5 priced anywhere from plus 105 to minus 116. Drew also took a couple looks at the Chiefs on alternative point spreads, liking them at minus 6.5 and minus 13.5 for some nice plus money payouts. <laughs> I'll get to the handicaps behind these bets in a moment, but first a couple reminders and you can listen to the conference championship episode of this show for more detail on these reminders. Number one, when it comes to hedging, if you've got a futures ticket on the Chiefs or Bucks to win the Super Bowl, first off, well played. There's a lot of equity in those tickets. But remember that hedging is only advisable in two situations. Number one, if it's life-changing money at stake, and number two, if that hedging bet holds standalone value. Otherwise, your best bet is to let it ride. When making a bet without standalone value, it's a hit to the bankroll in the long run, and if you can't resist or if not hedging to lock in a profit would take some of the joy out of the equation for you, there's no problem with going for it, but just be mindful of the trade-offs involved when you're doing this. And also, if you do hedge, make sure that profit you're looking to lock in is 100% guaranteed. I've heard a lot of talk this week about hedging Buccaneers futures with Patrick Mahomes to win the Super Bowl MVP award, and I get the logic. If the Chiefs win, Mahomes most likely will win the MVP award, but that's not really a true hedge because Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey could also win the MVP or maybe even a long shot like Chris Jones. So I see where it's enticing as a possible hedging option to take a quarterback for the MVP award if it means laying less vig or getting a better payout relative to hedging on the money line. But if you do decide to hedge, the money line is the way to go since that indeed would be a true hedge ensuring you can't lose both bets. But with all this said, there are no plans to hedge one props and hops bet from the conference championship episode that currently holds some value, Patrick Mahomes, in the range of plus 250 to plus 300 to win the Super Bowl MVP award. That current line's around even money, so there is some maneuverability, but there's no reason to dilute the value on that big plus money payout for Mahomes if he does indeed take home the hardware on Sunday. 
Second reminder before we get into the game handicaps, the value of betting on or off of three when we're looking at point spreads is about 18 cents. So keep that in mind if you're looking to bet the bucks from plus three up to plus three and a half, or if you have an option to take the Chiefs from minus three and a half down to minus three at certain books. For example, the Chiefs minus three and a half for even money is a better bet than the Chiefs laying three at minus 125. And the Bucks plus three at even money would be a better bet than Tampa Bay up to plus three and a half for the premium of minus 125. It's easy to kick yourself if the Chiefs win by three and you end up losing a bet on the Chiefs against the spread or only pushing a bet on the Bucks. But most of the time, three-point favorites don't win by exactly three points. And whenever they don't win by exactly three, you benefit by taking the better number. <laughs> And while we don't have any money line bets to feature in this episode, I know the money line is going to be quite popular for the betting public, especially on the buck side of things over the next couple days. So I think it's worth touching on the Super Bowl money line phenomenon we see every year. Last week's guest, Mike Roselli, good friend of the pod, explained this phenomenon eloquently in our episode giving a first look at Super Bowl 55. And one of the key factors is the Super Bowl as a unique setting. So much public money floods the market that it wields way more influence than it would in any other football game. And as a rule of thumb when it comes to betting psychology, the public likes the notion of betting a little to win a lot. So if you're a public better liking the Bucks, odds are you'd prefer taking the money line for a plus 140 payout instead of taking the points laying minus 105 for that plus three. And if you're a public better on the Chiefs, odds are you'd rather take the point spread laying minus 115 to give those three points instead of laying minus 160 for the money line. So there's an overemphasis on the concept of how little can I risk in order to win a lot compared to the true probability that connects point spreads to money lines. To give a couple examples here, an underdog like Tampa Bay in the range of plus three minus 105 would typically be about plus 150 on the money line. So the current payout of plus 140 is shortchanging Bucks money line backers and a favorite of minus three minus 115 like where we see the Chiefs typically would be about minus 170 on the money line. So that current rate minus 160, a discount for betters willing to back the Chiefs on the money line. And looking ahead, the money line's likely to continue dropping as public money floods the market leading up to the Super Bowl, and that means we'll probably see even less value on the Bucks and more value on the Chiefs when it comes to the money line. The takeaway here, if you like the underdog on the money line in the Super Bowl, bet it early every year, and if you like the favorite on the money line, be prepared to wait it out and bet late. The ship has sailed on value on the Bucks money line this year, but keep it in mind for the Super Bowl next year if you like the underdog. And if you're looking for the best number on the Chiefs on the money line, keep on waiting. It's likely to show sometime Saturday night or Sunday before kickoff. And this concept of continuing to wait despite having a number on the table that already shows some value reminds me of that classic battle scene in Braveheart where they let the opposition draw closer and closer, the cavalry's bearing down, and William Wallace is still having his guys hold off on making their move until the last possible moment. That same mentality can often lead to the best value when it comes to the favorite on the money line in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Alright, so now we have a sense as to how to approach hedging, the value of playing on or off of that key number of three being worth about 18 cents, as well as how to approach the money line. At this point, let's dive in and break down some bets on the Super Bowl. One like on the Bucks plus the points. Again, that was Dave Essler from the Dream Preview, and his handicap leads off by noting the Bucks haven't lost by more than three points to a team other than the Saints all season long. And that includes the Bucks' three-point loss to the Chiefs in November, but he notes that the Bucks are better than they were back in Week 12. And Essler also points out that these teams' playoff roads to the Super Bowl show that Tampa Bay, the more battle-tested team, having won on the road three straight weeks to reach this point, and also, Essler notes, a revenge angle for Tom Brady against Steve Spagnolo, since Spagnolo was the defensive coordinator of that Giants team that stopped the 2007 Patriots one win short of their perfect season. And I lean to the Bucks at plus three, so I like being aligned with Essler in that sense, but I can't say our alignment is because of his handicap. The Bucks' scoreboard outcomes over the course of the season and their road to the Super Bowl are built into this number. And as far as the revenge angle goes, this is the Super Bowl. Brady would be no less motivated if it were Giselle as the defensive coordinator on the opposing sideline. <laughs> Moving on to the total, we have two likes on the over, Adam and T.A., 
Adam let off his handicap, noting the crowd noise is unlikely to disrupt the Chiefs' offense, even though they're effectively playing on the road in this one. There will only be 25,000 fans in attendance, 7,500 of those will be healthcare workers, and the others mostly corporate. Adam also notes that either team leading is a good game script for points. If the Bucks have the lead, the Chiefs have a proven track record of coming from behind and scoring big time in no time. And if the Chiefs have the lead, the Bucks also have the weapons for explosive plays of their own in the passing game. Adam also points out that when these teams faced each other in Week 12, the game only produced 51 points, but almost 1,000 yards of offense. So that's a misleadingly low scoreboard output, given that level of offensive output. And TA brought up a similar point, calling out a series of fluky events that suppressed the total. For the Chiefs, they lost a fumble on first and goal, Andy Reid made a head-scratching decision to kick a field goal on fourth and goal from the one, and the Chiefs overall only scored six points on three trips inside the red zone. On the Bucks side of things, they also had to kick a chip shot field goal after having a first and goal set up from the five, and Tom Brady threw two interceptions from inside the Chiefs' 35-yard line, so that's basically being inside a field goal range. And without these fluky events, TA thinks that Week 12 matchup lands in the 60s, and the total for the Super Bowl would be a couple points higher. Carrying on with Adam's handicap, he notes that Bucks defensive coordinator Todd Bowles is predictable with his aggressive scheme all about pressuring the opposing quarterback, and that means lots of blitzes and man coverage. Bowles almost never deviates from that game plan, and that can be playing with fire against Mahomes and his weapons, the Chiefs offense known to torch the blitz. And Adam also thinks the Bucks' defense has regressed down the stretch. On wildcard weekend, Taylor Heineke largely had his way against them, with mediocre wide receivers getting wide open seemingly at will. And in the divisional round, it was more about Drew Brees' shortcomings than the Bucks' defense playing well. And in the conference championship round, Adam notes, Aaron Rodgers posted his most passing yards since week one when he was going up against five new starters in the secondary for the Vikings. And Adam says Rodgers didn't even play that well, yet still posted his second highest passing yardage total of the season in which he's likely to win the MVP award. Adam also points out that the strength for the Bucks defense, pressuring opposing quarterbacks, but Mahomes handles pressure well. And the Bucks are also getting unsustainably lucky on defense, according to Adam, when it comes to turnovers and opponents failing in the red zone. On the other side of the ball, Adam notes that even if the Bucks remain too run-heavy on early downs, they should see success rushing against a weak Chiefs rush defense, and when they want to pass, the deep ball still in play whenever they need it. In addition to one like against the spread and two likes on the over, we have a couple likes in the derivative market. The Bucks' first quarter team total over six and a half, and this came from Drew and Andy on the Deep Dive podcast. Their handicap, the Bucks more likely than the Chiefs to start the game with the ball, and also a way to buck the trend of Tom Brady starting slow in the Super Bowl since this is his first Super Bowl appearance with a new team. Drew also likes the Chiefs on a couple of alternative point spreads, minus 6.5 and, and minus 13.5. And His rationale here, if the game's a blowout, that's more likely to favor the Chiefs, because if the Bucks are trailing, they could struggle to generate big plays in the passing game against a good Chiefs pass rush. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for bets on the point spread and the total, plus some derivative and alternative point spread looks on the game itself. But don't worry, we've got plenty of props to get into. And first, I'd like to tee it up with an overview to set the proper perspective. Similar to a point I made last week in my conversation with Mike Roselli about how to win at sports betting, start with a goal when you're looking at your Super Bowl betting portfolio. If you're all about the edges, we've got you covered. And if you're willing to compromise some betting value for entertainment value, there's nothing wrong with that. Just manage your bankroll and be mindful of the trade-offs you're making for that entertainment value. And on the note of managing your bankroll, keep in mind that the biggest game of the year doesn't necessarily call for the biggest bet of the year. The point spread and total for this game have been hammered into play since the second half of the AFC Championship game when Sean McDermott was still kicking meaningless field goals, and the props have been available for days, some for the better part of the last two weeks, and that's captured the full attention of arguably the biggest and most efficient market when it comes to sports betting. And as Mike Roselli noted in our conversation last week, our bankrolls don't know the difference between money won or lost on the Super Bowl or a Wednesday night small conference college basketball game. The cash counts just the same. And revisiting a David Malinsky lesson in betting psychology that I shared at the start of the playoffs, the pain of losing a bigger bet than you'd typically make is real, but so is the joy of winning a smaller bet than you'd typically make. <laughs> 
Alright, we'll get to some prop bets shortly, but first off, now that we know how to approach things from having a goal to managing the bankroll, I'm going to share four tips to finding value on Super Bowl props. Number one, be prepared to bet against human achievement. I love this phrase, and I remember first hearing it from Gil Alexander, who is now a host on VEASAN, the Vegas Stats and Information Network, and this type of approach of betting against human achievement has led a coworker to tell me that my betting approach resembles playing the don't pass line in craps, and he's got a point. It can be a little bit boring on one hand, but on the other hand, there's nothing boring about cashing tickets when you uncover the right edges. And similar to the Super Bowl money line phenomenon, the public loves to bet yes and over when it comes to props, especially when there's plus money attached. There's often little to no regard for true probability when public bettors make these types of bets, and plus money is almost never as big as it should be. We'll touch on that in more detail shortly, but first gonna move on to the number two tip, look to bet on binary outcomes. For example, yes or no, over under, or player X versus player Y. You want to avoid those needle in the haystack types of bets, basically anything with more than two outcomes listed. For example, it's a really popular prop, but first player to score a touchdown, generally not something with a lot of betting value, if any betting value. And the reason for that is that for every extra outcome a sportsbook adds to a bet, they bake in a bigger hold percentage. So those big payouts we'll see for certain bets can look really enticing, but again, they're almost never as big as they should be based on true probability. And when it comes to a lot of these long shot bets, the common narrative for people making them is, hey, all it takes is one. For example, yes to a safety, or roughing the passer, or a team's number four wide receiver to score a touchdown. But when a key factor in a handicap is, all it takes is one, odds are the books are well aware of this, and all we'll see is none. So some of these bets can be really fun to make, and again, if you're willing to compromise some betting value for entertainment value, go ahead and do it, and enjoy it but just beware of falling into the psychological trap that so hilariously ensnared Kevin Malone in The Office. If someone gives you 10,000 to 1 on anything, you take it. If John Mellencamp ever wins an Oscar, I am going to be a very rich dude. Ironically, the best path to becoming a very rich dude would be to bet against human achievement and bet on binary outcomes when it comes to Super Bowl props, but if you can't resist scratching that itch when it comes to popular props with big plus payouts like first touchdown score, you could do worse than checking out Dimers.com's Super Bowl Bet Hub to make a more informed wager. I have a link in the show notes for easy reference. And if you like a Chiefs player to score the game's first touchdown, Dimers.com pegs Tyreek Hill as your guy, giving him a 14.4% chance of punching in the first touchdown of the game. And if you like a Tampa Bay player to score the game's first touchdown, the Dimers bot gives the nod to Chris Godwin with a 10.9% probability. Tip number three when it comes to finding value betting Super Bowl props, when in doubt, lay the vig. This is the flip side of those needle and a haystack types of bets with big payouts that aren't as big as they should be. A lot of bets that require a big upfront risk don't charge as much of an upfront risk as they should. For example, it can be really uncomfortable to lay 9 to 1 or 10 to 1 odds on things like no overtime or no safety, but the math makes it indisputably clear that those numbers are worth laying where you can find them. And on a smaller scale, laying 2-1 to one odds on things like a team to score 3 straight times, that's less uncomfortable than laying 9-1 to one or 10-1 to one on a no overtime or no safety prop, but it still isn't easy to stomach laying 2-1 to one odds. You have to be willing to accept that expensive bets will lose sometimes, there's no such thing as a sure thing, but that said, even though the losses can sting, it's still worth grinding out value wherever value presents itself in the long run. Alright, so be prepared to bet against human achievement, bet on binary outcomes, when in doubt lay the vig, and tip number four, above all else, shop lines. The point spread and total for this game are almost identical across the board and that's been the case since they opened, but there's no screen for sportsbooks to copy each other's props like there is for point spreads and totals, and because of that, you can find significant discrepancies when shopping around for the best number on any given prop. For example, I've seen Patrick Mahomes listed anywhere from even money to minus 140 to win the Super Bowl MVP award. And if you want to quantify that difference, the break-even probability is 50-50 for that even money number, but you need to win more than 58% of the time to break even if you're laying that minus 140 number. So without any knowledge about football or handicapping a bet, simply shopping lines can make all the difference between winning and losing. 
One final note before we dive into a bunch of prop bets, and this is less a pro tip and more a word of caution, whether you're betting for entertainment value or monetary value, read the fine print. David Malinsky had a timeless story about a friend's bad beat back in the day. It was the Vikings taking on the Giants in the NFC Championship game, and this was played more than 20 years ago, but the story still resonates. The prop bet was Vikings kicker Gary Anderson to go under his listed point total, and the Vikings were shut out in that game, so you couldn't nail the handicap much better, yet the prop didn't cash. The fine print, player must play for action. The Vikings did kick the ball off once their only kickoff of the game was the opening kickoff, but the Vikings punter handled kickoffs, Anderson didn't step between the lines during the game, and because of that, the wager was graded no action. So this story underscores the vagaries and variants that have been recurring themes throughout this season on Props and Hops, and vagaries and variants are squarely on the table for Super Bowl props as well. So know what you're betting before you place each wager, and even when you do know what you're betting, accept the variants up front. For example, last year the most popular Super Bowl prop bet was Patrick Mahomes to go over his rushing yards total for the Super Bowl. That number got steamed from the high 20s to the mid 30s, and it looked just fine when Mahomes was sitting at 44 rushing yards late in the fourth quarter. I bet over betters than a lot of places were already spending their winnings. But then, Mahomes conceded 15 yards in the final minute of the game on kneel downs to kill the clock, so his rushing output landed on 29 yards, and that was a brutal beat for those who lost. But it underscores the vagaries that we're working with here, and it also underscores the importance of shopping around and finding the best number you can, because the first people to the window for that Mahomes prop still did win despite all those endgame shenanigans because they managed to get the best of the number. <laughs> Alright, without further ado, let's break down some Super Bowl props. I'll get into the prop bets shared by the most prominent handicappers on the best NFL betting podcasts, and later in the show, I'll distill it all down to my favorite prop bets worth putting in the Super Sunday portfolio. So I'll walk through some game props, and then some scoring props, as well as player props for both teams, and an MVP prop bet. And starting things off with those game props, penalties under 10.5, this is a bet from Steve Fezzik, he shared it on the Even Money podcast. And if you want to take penalties under 10.5, it's going to take a little extra VIG. The consensus number right now is about minus 135. But even at that price point, I do still see some value. Fezzik notes the Super Bowl is the NFL's crown jewel event, and the league wants a smooth game flow, and for the players, not the refs to decide the betting outcome. And to that end, the second game prop would be no roughing the passer penalty. That came from Matthew Holt on the Dream Preview, as well as Rob Pizzola on the Matchbook Podcast, and the price for this one's about minus 180. It's not too widely available yet, but keep an eye out. Usually it does pop up as we get closer to kickoff. And looking at Matthew Holt's handicap, similar to Fezzik's handicap for penalties under 10.5 for the full game, Penalties do tend to be down in the Super Bowl compared to a regular season game because refs don't want to be the ones to decide the game. They especially don't want to throw flags for personal fouls or judgment calls, and players are also less likely with such high stakes in the Super Bowl to take cheap shots that could hurt their own team. Rob made this point as well, and Rob also noted that the price of minus 180 implies a 64% probability that roughing the passer won't be called, but he makes it closer to a 75% probability that roughing the passer won't be called. He simply thinks this penalty isn't flagged as often as the line would indicate. <laughs> Moving on to some scoring props, first up, first half under 27.5. This came from Fezzik on the Even Money podcast, and his handicap was pretty simple. Super Bowl first halves tend to start slow and be lower scoring than second halves, so I can see where he's going with the first half under, but I like a different prop to get in play on this angle, and that would be the second half to outscore the first half. Drew Dinsick discussed this on the Matchbook podcast, and another reminder here to shop lines, I'm seeing this prop for the second half to outscore the first half, lined anywhere from minus 115 to minus 170. I think that higher end of the range is correct, so there's a lot of value if you can find a cheaper price. And looking at Drew's handicap, the defenses are well-rested and well-prepared off the bye week, and there's a feeling-out process early on in a game like the Super Bowl. Plus, from a matchup standpoint, if the Bucks are leading, the Chiefs have shown that they can come from behind in a hurry and wear out the Bucks' defense as the game goes on. And if the Chiefs are leading late, the Bucks' offense has to get aggressive, and they have the weapons to score fast in their own right. 
One more scoring prop, no missed PAT. Rob said he likes this at minus 250. And although the forecast calls for chances of rain, that would probably be before the game or maybe just very early in the game. Rob generally expects good field conditions throughout. And he notes that while this prop isn't the most fun, it's risking a lot to win a little, he simply sees it as being mispriced. And I'm totally cool with the notion of betting on value in a vacuum. That's one of my favorite things to do as a better. But when I look around at prices for this prop, I'm seeing it in the range of minus 265 to minus 310. So Rob might still be cool with it in the lower end of that range, but the consensus overall, not as mispriced as what Rob mentioned at minus 250. So probably going to be passing on this one. Moving on to some player props and starting with the Chiefs, two likes on Patrick Mahomes' pass attempts over 41 and a half. The VIG on this has gone up to about minus 145, but this is Drew's best bet on the Matchbook podcast. TA likes it as well, and Drew presented a strong handicap here. He said this prop, resilient to different game scripts, if the Chiefs are leading, it's likely because they're passing well, and unlike most offenses, even when the Chiefs have a big lead, they remain pass-heavy, they just tend to go for shorter passes instead of bigger shots downfield, and if the Chiefs are trailing, we could definitely count on them to pass in order to catch up. And overall, from a matchup perspective, the Bucks have an elite rush defense, so way more often than not, we're probably going to see Mahomes dropping back to pass on Sunday. Next up, Le'Veon Bell rush yards under. Rob and Zuma liked this on the Matchbook podcast, and Rob's handicap was that Bell's pretty much cooked. He doesn't do anything Daryl Williams and Clyde edwards Lair can't do, so Rob projects Bell for zero rushing attempts, and I'll note that Bell props are sparsely available right now, but keep an eye out. If you want to follow Rob's handicap, basically anywhere they're listed, look toward the under. Another Chiefs player prop, Sammy Watkins over 39.5 receiving yards. That's available in some spots for plus 105, according to Suma, who made this his best bet on the Matchbook podcast. Suma noted it's easy to forget about Watkins because of his recent injuries, but he's a real part of this offense when he's healthy. In 26 of 38 games with the Chiefs, Watkins has seen at least five targets. And with the Bucks defense likely focusing on limiting Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, that can open up a lot of space for Watkins. I'm seeing Watkins lined at 36 and a half receiving yards, and I like where Zuma's headed with this one. A couple more Chiefs player props to get to. Byron Pringle under one and a half receptions. This one came from the Hitman is his best prop bet on the Dream Preview. He makes it good up to minus 145, and I'm seeing it pretty widely available for minus 140. The Hitman's handicap centers around the market not accounting properly for Pringle's diminished role in the offense when the other wide receivers are healthy. He notes that in seven games Watkins has played this season, Pringle has one reception and he's only run 24 routes. Meanwhile, Demarcus Robinson, currently on the COVID list for the Chiefs, but only as a close contact, and as I record, the latest information has him pegged as most likely good to go on Sunday. If that's the case and Robinson can play, Pringle likely relegated to the wide receiver 5 role for the Chiefs, and that means he'll probably only see a few snaps in the game. One more Chiefs player prop, Travis Kelsey, minus 21.5 receiving yards against Chris Godwin. This was Fezzik's best prop bet on the Dream Preview, and he said he likes it as a rare case of a stale number that's widely available. Reason being, Kelsey's receiving yards total has been getting steamed up like crazy, and that's probably going to continue over the next couple days. Meanwhile, Godwin's receiving yardage total has been bet down. And the odds makers are slow to adjust this specific matchup prop accordingly because they've simply got too many other props to manage. So Fezzik likes this because in some places Kelsey's lined as high as 100.5 right now, Godwin as low as 73.5, and, and that would imply that this matchup should have the difference around 27 yards, so it's a rare Super Bowl prop discount on Kelsey laying the 21.5 yards in his matchup against Chris Godwin. <laughs> Also got a handful of Tampa Bay player props to dive into. First up, yes for Tom Brady to throw an interception. Rob made this his best bet on the Matchbook podcast at a price of minus 150. He said he likes it at anything better than minus 200, and the consensus line right now, more in the range of minus 160. Rob thinks the Chiefs are going to generate pressure up the middle, and he also thinks it's more likely than not that the Bucks will be trailing late in the game, and that will force Brady into making some risky throws. Rob also likes Leonard Fournette to go over in some receiving numbers, both over 3.5 receptions and 25.5 receiving yards. It's worth noting the over on 3.5 receptions is pretty heavily juiced, currently priced at about minus 160, 
but Rob likes that the season-long stats for Fournette are suppressing these lines because he's seen a much heavier workload recently, and Rob projects Fournette to get 7 targets in the game, so he thinks he'll be in good shape with these bets as long as Fournette catches more than half of these passes. And Rob also thinks the Chiefs defense is going to try to pressure Brady up the middle, and that could lead to some swing passes to his running backs. The next Bucks player prop, Antonio Brown, receiving yards under 45, and that's good to 41 according to Fezzik, who mentioned this on the Even Money podcast. His handicap, Brown's been banged up recently, and it sounds like he's likely to play, but he's unlikely to be effective in the game. And moving on to a couple of tight end player props for the Bucks. First up, Gronk anytime touchdown scorer. That came from Dave Esler is his best prop bet on the Dream Preview at a price of plus 225. Esler notes Gronk has 93 touchdown receptions in 131 career games, 3 touchdown receptions in 4 Super Bowls, and he's going up against the Chiefs defense that ranks 5th worst in yards allowed to tight ends and 7th worst in touchdowns allowed to tight ends. And a couple things about this handicap just don't pass the smell test for me. First off, if we're looking at Gronk's career numbers, that includes a lot of games when he was in much better shape than he is now, and when he occupied a bigger share of the passing game than he does in this current Bucks offense. Also, three touchdowns and four Super Bowls, that sounds like the ultimate small sample size. Plus, the Chiefs defense may not be great against tight ends, but that could just as easily benefit Cameron Brait, so overall Gronk may well score a touchdown in the Super Bowl, but given his current form and his role in this offense, a plus 225 payout seems to be selling betters quite a bit short. One more Bucks player prop, Cameron Brait to score the first touchdown of the game. That came from TA on the Sharp Angles podcast at a payout of about 20 to 1. TA said the Chiefs are the worst team in the NFL when it comes to defending tight ends in the red zone, and he notes that Brait, third on the team in red zone targets since the Bucks bye week late in the season. And at the risk of sounding like a broken record, I'm going to push back a little bit on this bet. I know bets like this are exhilarating when they hit, but once again, the payout, simply not as high as it should be. It's fine if you want to take a small flyer on something like this for entertainment value, but don't think you're getting much betting value in the equation. Next up, a couple player props that can apply to both teams, first of them being both quarterbacks to score the first touchdown, and both quarterbacks as anytime touchdown scorers. These bets came from Rob on the Matchbook Podcast, and his handicap, teams run plays from the opponent's one-yard line more than you might think, and Tom Brady's great when it comes to the quarterback sneak, Patrick Mahomes also more than capable of running it in from the one. I looked up the lines for this in the first touchdown score. Prices have Mahomes in the range of 11 to 1, and it's about a 20 to 1 payout for Brady to score the first touchdown. Looking at anytime touchdown scores, it's about plus 250 for Mahomes and plus 350 for Brady. And once again, the payouts on these touchdown bets, whether it's anytime touchdown score or first touchdown score, almost always shortchange the betters, and I think that's the case again here. So I do see some of Rob's logic, and I have a different bet in play with some similarities to his handicap, but it's one in which betters are less likely to get shortchanged. More on that coming up in a little bit. And looking at the Super Bowl MVP market, Rob likes a quarterback to win the MVP award for minus 350. This price point implies a 78% chance that a quarterback wins the Super Bowl MVP award, and Rob thinks the number should be closer to 90%. Most recently, I've looked around and seen this number closer to minus 400, so that implies an 80% chance that a quarterback wins the award, but still, that's showing value compared to Rob's 90% probability. And in terms of Rob's handicap, he noted the MVP vote is done 80% by beat writers, 20% by fans, and both beat writers and fans heavily favor quarterbacks, so because of that, it'll take an extreme performance for a quarterback not to win this award. Rob mentioned last year as an example, there was a strong statistical argument against Mahomes winning the MVP award, but he took it home anyway. <laughs> Alright, those are the Super Bowl bets from the most prominent handicappers on the best NFL gambling podcasts, and in a few moments I'll distill it down to the most actionable ones worth making, plus some bets I've originated that show value for Super Sunday, but first up, it's time for a Super Bowl-style beer break, let's get into what we're drinking. Alright, so the Super Bowl is an ideal time to cut it loose and have some fun, and in this segment I'll be highlighting a couple beers I've got set aside for Super Sunday, and some good food to pair with the beers while we're at it. 
First up, Foggier Window, Double Dry Hopped Hazy Double IPA by Monkish Brewing Company in Torrance, California. Foggier Window clocks in at 8.1% ABV, so it's a big beer, and it can hold its own with a big dish. So for the pairing, I'm going with Deep Dish. Trying Lou Malnati's Pizza for the first time thanks to a generous gift from friend of the show and host of the Doggy Juice Pod, Mike Roselli. Foggier Windows double dry hopped with Citra, Galaxy, and Nelson hops. So basically what this means is this IPA is about as citrusy and tropical as can be. Pineapple really stands out, and the mouth feels creamy and smooth, leaving almost no hint of the ABV. So overall, this is a top-tier IPA from an IPA powerhouse worthy of the occasion, even an occasion as special as the Super Bowl, and a first taste of a classic deep-dish pizza. And thankfully, the Super Bowl offers an extended halftime to digest between round one and round two, where we'll progress from the hoppy to the sour side, going with Saison Bernice, a farmhouse ale by Sante Adarius Rustic Ales up the west coast in Capitola, California. Saison Bernice checks in at 6.5% ABV, and it's fruity and tart, so that makes it a nice dessert beer. And in fact, I have some friends with a small local baking business in LA called Late Bloomer. It specializes in cakes and cookies, so my wife and I will be enjoying some Saison Bernice with some of Late Bloomer's baked goods on Sunday. Can't wait for that. Saison Bernice is complex yet casually crushable at the same time, so it can be as thoughtful or mindless of a drinking experience as you want. It has stone fruit, lemon, floral, and earthy notes, and its tartness goes well with an oaky dry finish. Overall, in the words of the brewery, simple but graceful, Bernice is the beer we'd pour you ourselves if given the chance. So I'll be jumping at the chance to enjoy it on Super Sunday. It's the perfect occasion to dive into the cellar and break out special bottles like this. Alright, so we're working with a Super Bowl-worthy beer and food lineup. Let's round it out with a Super Bowl-worthy portfolio. Time to dive into what we're betting. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. No shortage of gambling going on in here with the Super Bowl on deck. Eight props to get to. I'll start off with a few game props, then a couple scoring props, round it out with a few player props, and starting with the game props, first bet, Opening kickoff not to be a touchback. This is perhaps the most fun bet I've got in store with the biggest payout in the Super Bowl portfolio, and it's going to be fun having a result before the first snap of the game even takes place. I did some research and found that the season-long kickoff touchback percentages for these teams were 84% for the Bucks and 75% for the Chiefs, so that would imply that most likely the first kickoff would be a touchback, but I also did some research on Super Bowl history, and since 2016, when the new touchback rule took effect, bringing kickoff touchbacks out to the 25-yard line, we've had four Super Bowls, three of them have seen the opening kickoff brought out for a return. Last year, Kansas City received the opening kickoff and Mikul Hardman returned it from three yards deep in his own end zone. And for a bigger sample size on the unique stage that is the Super Bowl, over the last 10 years, eight out of 10 opening kickoffs haven't been touchbacks and six of those kickoffs have gone into the end zone with four of those getting returned. So in a nutshell, the season-long stats imply about an 80% chance the opening kickoff will be a touchback on Sunday. But looking at Super Bowl history, we've got reason to think there's possibly an 80% chance of that opening kickoff not being a touchback. And I do see some logic behind those Super Bowl numbers. In a game of this magnitude, the teams are going for any edge they can find, and that includes field position, so whoever is kicking off to start the game should be less likely to mindlessly blast the opening kickoff out of the end zone. And on the flip side, the return team should be amped up beyond belief to start the Super Bowl, and that often means they're overeager to return a kickoff from their end zone in an effort to make a big play. There's also a subtle edge I like with this prop, and that would be the matchup in this game, with Tampa Bay being more likely to get the first possession. The last two times the Bucks have won the coin toss, they've taken the ball. In weeks 16 and 17, when they elected to receive, they scored opening drive touchdowns, so they were rewarded for that decision. And meanwhile, if the Chiefs win the coin toss, they're almost sure to defer. So whoever wins the coin toss in this game, it's looking more likely than not that Kansas City will be the team kicking off to start the game, and the Chiefs' kickoff touchback odds are about 10 percentage points lower than the Bucks when we look at those full season numbers. In terms of the price for this one, 
I'm seeing a consensus of about plus 225. It has come down a bit, but I still see plenty of value because this number implies about a 69% probability the opening kickoff goes for a touchback, and that means the payout has value if the opening kickoff is returned even as rarely as just one-third of the time. Meanwhile, I make it closer to a 50-50 proposition, and that shows value on the plus 225 for the opening kickoff not to be a touchback. <laughs> Next game prop, yes for a team to score three straight times. Similar to one-yard touchdowns, which regular listeners know we're going to touch on shortly, a team scores three straight times in a game quite a bit more often than the average fan might think, and this even applies in close games with high totals like we're seeing based on the Super Bowl spread in total. Even when it seems like a back-and-forth game with a high total implying defenses might struggle to get stops, three straight scores happens a lot more often than not. And there's a subtle edge in play here that eases the burden of the defenses, that being the team receiving the second half kickoff has a chance to double up and score twice in a row without losing possession of the ball. That's because they could possibly score to end the first half and then score when they start the second half with the ball, so this prop doesn't necessarily require the defense making consecutive stops. It is possible to cash with the offense only coming off the field one time. I'm seeing a consensus price for this prop at minus 210 right now, and I make that fair value to get involved, but similar to the money line notions and holding off until there's even better value later on down the road, I'd encourage waiting until Saturday evening or maybe even sometime Sunday before kickoff because public money likely going to continue to flood the market, and we know the public loves the concept of betting a little to win a lot, so they're probably going to bet the no on this prop at plus money, and that means we're likely to be able to get this prop from minus 200 if not better. One more game prop to get to, under 10.5 accepted penalties. I'd recommend shopping around for this one. I'm seeing it anywhere from under 10.5 minus 105 to under 10 minus 125. Let's call the consensus under 10.5 minus 135. And circling back on one of Fezzik's key points behind this handicap, the Super Bowl is the showcase event for the NFL, and the league wants the players to decide the outcome, not the refs. And to support this point, I paid attention to this prop in the conference championship games. There were no penalty flags thrown in the first quarter of either game. In fact, in the NFC Championship game, the first penalty didn't occur until the middle of the third quarter, and in both games combined, we only saw 13 accepted penalties. So this bet, an annual staple since flags tend to be suppressed during Super Bowls, but keep the wager amount in check this time around because the referee this year is Carl Cheffers, and he and his crew called about one penalty more per game than league average over the course of the regular season. So generally, I prefer a bigger wager when we have a more lenient ref calling the shots. That said, still seeing value to get in play at under 10.5 accepted penalties for minus 135. <laughs> Moving on to a couple scoring props, and first up, it's back, and it's one of our favorites. Shortest touchdown under one and a half yards. This has been the official prop of the Props and Hops podcast throughout the season, and we've got an opportunity here to ride it out to the end. With a high total of 56, that bodes well for the prospects of seeing a lot of points in this game, and a lot of points good for the prospects of a lot of touchdowns, with a lot of touchdowns being good for the prospects of seeing some one-yard touchdowns. From a math standpoint, some books are pricing this right, but more often than not, I've seen a lot of books continue to underprice this prop all season long. From a matchup standpoint, the Chiefs' offense is explosive. I do wish they were more efficient in short yardage situations near the goal line, but their ability to score doesn't necessarily hurt this prop. And looking at the Bucks side of things, their offense is a great fit for this prop. Tom Brady's the master of the quarterback sneak when you need a yard near the goal line, and the Bucks also have a stout offensive line that could open lanes for Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones to pound in a one-yard touchdown potentially. And I also like that the Bucks can be multidimensional with some big pass-catching options, looking at guys like Mike Evans and Gronk. And with the ability to stay unpredictable, the Bucks offense can keep the Chiefs defense on its heels even when it's operating on a short field. From a pricing standpoint, I make this good up to minus 175. Next up, second half to be the higher scoring half. The handicap here is similar to what we walked through for the NFC Championship game a couple weeks ago, and as a reminder from that conference championship show and earlier in this episode, read the fine print especially for this bet. You'll want to know if you're betting into a three-way line where the same number of points in both halves wouldn't result in the push. 
You also want to know if overtime counts to the second half total. If it does, that adds a touch of value to this bet. So make sure to have a handle on what exactly you're betting into. And again, also make sure to shop lines. I've seen this price anywhere from minus 115 to minus 170, mostly on the lower end, but it's been more expensive at the sharper books. I think that's telling us something. And from a pricing standpoint, if you have access to a three-way line that can't push and overtime doesn't count for the second half, I still make this good up to minus 135. And if you can get a two-way line where a push is possible and overtime does count for the second half total, consider it good up to minus 145. The general concept here, high stakes games tend to start slow. There's often a feeling out process, and this is especially common in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady has a particularly strong record of a feeling out process early in big games, starting out conservative, getting more aggressive late. And I also think we have some recency bias in play here after a misleading result from the NFC Championship game. In the first half of that game, the Bucks ran the ball on seven of their 10 first down plays, and that's excluding the final play of the first half when they had to pass. I'll get back to that in a moment. But all these early down runs set the Bucks up in third and long early and often, and they found a lot of success, but that's not sustainable. So the Bucks got rewarded for bad process, and because of that, I don't see Bruce Arians adjusting in the Super Bowl, and a similar run-heavy approach should suppress first half scoring this time around. And as touched on, there was that inexplicable play at the end of the first half where the Packers just decided not to play defense. That, plus some vagaries in the fourth quarter, resulted in the final eight seconds of the first half, outscoring the entire fourth quarter. It's a safe bet that's not going to happen again. Looking at this specific matchup, we also have two offenses capable of explosive passing plays and two defenses prone to allowing them, so either team playing from behind should be able to find success through the air, and either team playing from ahead should know better than to take its foot off the gas. Bottom line here, expecting a fairly conservative start and for the play calling to open up as the game progresses. As an alternative, if you can't find this bet for minus 145 or better, look at the first half under 27.5, consider that good up to minus 115. That's a widely available number that can help get you in play on this same concept. And wrapping up the Super Bowl betting card with a few player props. First off, Sammy Watkins, over 36.5 receiving yards. He's often a forgotten factor with the Chiefs because of his recent injuries, but he's a real part of this offense when healthy, and with the Bucks' defense likely to focus on Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, things could really open up for Watkins on Sunday. Another Chiefs receiver we're looking at, Byron Pringle under one and a half receptions. That one's going to cost minus 140, but I think there's still value in this one because the season-long stats are inflating Pringle's role relative to when other receivers in the offense are healthy. In seven games that Watkins has played this season, Pringle only has one reception, and he's only run 24 routes, and Demarcus Robinson looking likely to be activated from the COVID list after being flagged as a close contact with the team's barber who tested positive. As if this season didn't already have enough unique angles, there's a COVID scare for the Chiefs courtesy of their barber, but assuming Robinson plays in the Super Bowl, that relegates Pringle to wide receiver 5 in the Chiefs offense, and that means he'd probably only see a few snaps in the game. Also looking at one Tampa Bay receiver with regard to player props, Antonio Brown under 43.5 receiving yards. Brown's been banged up lately, but he's likely to go in the Super Bowl. That said, I think it's unlikely that he's going to be effective, and I like this bet because of all the public money in the Super Bowl market. Antonio Brown's a big name, but his reputation overshadows his current form. <laughs> Alright, so a rapid fire recap on the Super Sunday betting portfolio. Three game props. First kickoff not to be a touchback at plus 225. Yes to a team to score three straight times at minus 210. And under 10.5 accepted penalties at minus 135. Also playing a couple scoring props. Shortest touchdown under 1.5 yards at minus 175. And the second half to outscore the first half good up to minus 145. And to round it out, three player props. Sammy Watkins over 36.5 receiving yards at minus 115. Byron Pringle under 1.5 receptions at minus 140. And Antonio Brown under 43.5 receiving yards at minus 115. <laughs> Alright, last but not least, the Malinsky Minute. No words of wisdom this week. Instead, we've got this in store. Apologies if ASMR isn't your thing, it's certainly not mine, but I couldn't think of a better time to pause and take a deep breath.
big picture. A lot happened in 2020. A lot's already happened in 2021. And who's to say what's next? But one thing we do know, calm, clear heads prevail. Dave lived this out by seemingly never getting riled up, and we can apply that to our day-to-day lives as well as our betting lives. It's an endless grind to try to uncover edges and ride out value over time. It often feels like we're in a position of trying to sprint a marathon, and with unprecedented circumstances around the NFL throughout this season, we had even more curveballs thrown our way at times. But here we are, so for one afternoon, let's take a deep breath and have some fun with Super Sunday. Ideally, we can do this in the company of good people, even if that needs to be virtually, along with the company of good beer, good food, and good bets. And regardless of circumstances beyond our control, including the result of the game, let's take some time to appreciate a champion being crowned and the fact that we made it through the full season. Let's also take a moment to celebrate our own accomplishments over that same period of time, whether it's anything you achieved in betting this season or life in general. There's no win too small to celebrate, so let's take a deep breath and reflect on what we've accomplished as well as the things that bring us joy. Alright, that'll do it for this episode of Props and Hops. Thank you so much for listening. If you found any value in this episode, or really any value in the whole football season's worth of episodes, I'd like to ask three free, fast, and easy ways to return the favor. Number one, subscribe to Props and Hops wherever you get your podcasts. Number two, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please take a quick moment to rate and review the show. And number three, follow me on Twitter, at mlandis18, to keep the conversation going. I've dropped a link to my Twitter handle in the show notes, so we're just a tap away from connecting. And if you're looking for more on the Super Bowl in terms of game and prop betting breakdowns, I had a blast connecting with Mike Roselli and being part of his Doggy Juice Podcast Super Bowl episode. You can find that on Apple Podcasts. And as a programming note, Props and Hops is a year-round show, so we will be back next week. The focus is going to shift more toward the lifestyle side of things during the football offseason. We'll have the chance to get to know bettors, brewers, and other people contributing to the best in betting and beer, as well as guests who have plenty to offer when it comes to fighting edges in all walks of life. Of course, there is still plenty of betting in the cards with March Madness and the NFL Draft on the horizon, so the plan is absolutely to give major events plenty of focus across the betting calendar. And a quick reminder to head to Dimers.com for everything you need to bet the Super Bowl, including data-driven predictions, picks and probabilities, as well as player props and the best sportsbook offers and promo codes for the big game. I've also dropped a link to the Dimers.com Super Bowl Bet Hub in the show notes. And also, check out Dimers.com's free-to-play contest for a chance to win $10,000. That's right, Dimers has upped the ante to a massive $10,000 for its free-to-play Super Bowl game, so if you think you can predict the outcome of the game, head to freetoplay.dimers.com or click the free-to-play link in the dimers.com navigation bar to enter for your chance to win $10,000. I've also dropped a link to the contest in the show notes for easy reference, and as far as the contest goes, it's simply 10 questions, including the game outcome, plus some player props and novelty markets. It's free, fast, and easy to enter. There's nothing to lose. It could effectively pay for free beers for life, and that's about as good as it gets. And speaking of as good as it gets, the Super Bowl is just around the corner, so let's get out there and enjoy Super Sunday. I look forward to connecting with you again next week, and until then, as always, let's bet well, let's drink well, and let's be well. Mm